Listeners, we're sitting down episode number 68 of the Access Potential podcast. And today I'm sitting with Jackie Allenson from Transcend Health. Uh, so recently on episode 67, actually, uh, you heard the interview with Duncan. So Duncan and Jackie are co-founders of Transcend, co-owners. And I'm really excited today, obviously, to understand a little bit more from Jackie's angle, understand why and how she got into the business as well. And so we'll dive into a little bit of a story and then of course flesh out a little bit of this uh, current landscape of being a business owner at the moment, um, particularly with a lot of the, uh, you know, the current events that are happening. If you're listening, obviously with uh, Friday, April April 3rd. April 3rd. April 3rd. So we're still deep into Corona chaos, semi-lockdown, isolation sort of thing. Um, So thank you for listening. Without further ado, I'll kick off into the episode. Okay, Jackie, thanks so much for making some time. How's everything going? Yeah, well, um, yeah, thanks for coming in. And yeah, everything's been going. Yeah. (laughs) Up and down. How's it all feeling at the moment? Right now, it's feeling pretty good. It's, you know, it's Friday afternoon and it's, you know, wind down time. So I feel like we're shutting the week, finishing off the week with, you know, a good bookend. Things are completed. We've got our processes in place and we can start taking the next steps forward. So normally I'll kick off with sort of backstory. I think right now, because uh, everyone is so on the pulse of what's happening in the media and the news, maybe give us a little context on this week, like what happened, what's going on at Transcend for you, mm. um, what the, what everything sort of looks like at the moment, a bit of a snapshot. Okay, well uh, this week for Transcend Health was our uh, second week of implementing telehealth. So we started with our telehealth consults or our online consults last week. So this week was really about rolling that through and making sure we had those systems in place, including calling clients who had face-to-face consultations and offering them the option of online. Um, We're also moving through our new member structure, so allowing our members to access online classes and here and there allowing them to come into Transcend so they could still get some weighted work done in a one-to-one setting where there was reduced exposure, so maximum of, you know, four people in the room at once spread out in our gym, which meant that everyone was maintaining that 1.52 meters space, but they're still working on their meaningful goals and we can then help to adapt their home-based exercise even better. Um, So we're closing the week with um, good systems, good foundations. So now we can move forward into the, well, how do we let everyone else know what we're doing and to reassure people that we are open, we're still providing exercise physiology and physiotherapy services. And that if anyone has any needs that we can still meet them. Yeah. You know, I think something you mentioned there, I wanted to pick up on before we kind of go further back. Uh, this concept of exercise and movement as something that is not just for health, but mm. you know, there's obviously mental health. There's, um, I mean, there's there's all aspects of health: hormonal health, physical, mental, mm. emotional. Um, and you guys are continuing to serve people. They can come and make use of the space within the regulations or the guidelines, mm. um, sort of in an, an intelligent way. How important is it for us to be, you know, because I'm a business owner, obviously I've been more slowed down in this time, like more in the home, working Mm -hmm. at the desk. How important is it for us to be still exercising? And was that a driver, you know, obviously for you to be able to continue to serve people in that way? Mm -hmm. Well, you're asking the person who would say that um, exercise is like oxygen. You kind of, there's not really a negotiable. Yeah. It's, Human, humans are meant to move. We're not meant to sit in one posture or stand in one posture, repeat the same movement for eight hours a day. We're meant to move. We feel better when we move. People who have been sitting in those rigid postures for eight hours feel better when they move. Um, so for now in the current climate, like yeah, it's, it's actually essential. And with barriers around time actually coming down when people aren't spending, let's say half an hour to an hour commuting every day, mm. they can reclaim that time with a movement practice, which actually sets them up to do a solid day of work at home. Mm. Or even if they're going into the office that they might actually still have that chance to relieve the stress and check in with themselves and breathe a bit heavy and do something that's taking their mind off mm. the stresses of the day. Yeah. Um, 
yeah so yeah it's funny you mentioned breathing i think that's that especially now because there's this whole like subconscious link to the virus and don't breathe it in i think to <laughs> yeah. be able to move like even if it's at home whatever it is or to come in here when you've got some space or whatever um yeah it, it, it resonates like mm. i think it's critical it's like taking a breath out and just like oh like i can relax yeah. now i can yeah. feel into my body and not like all the stuff that's out here and just worrisome and scary yeah yeah you work with people so you're an exercise physiologist mm -hmm. from what i understand um talk to us a little bit about the specific that work that you do with people uh at transcend or otherwise okay um i i kind of dumb it down a little bit when i try and describe exercise physiology for people because exercise is something that people can have a lot of really bad memories around you think about school sport being chosen last of the team or yeah. just not feeling comfortable not feeling particularly skilled or good at it so people come with a lot of history around the word exercise and then you've got a big scientific sounding word like physiology like what is physiology like let's just take those two big scary words smash them together and here's an exercise physiologist who essentially looks like a personal trainer yeah. um, when you see what we do it is exercise and exercise can like in all the different forms is well, every personal trainer has their exercise style of choice and so does every exercise physiologist. Yeah. Um, the other parallel that's drawn is physiotherapy. So we look like we're somewhere between a personal trainer that treats physiotherapy clients, so people in pain, people with diabetes, people with cancer or cardiovascular disease or Parkinson's disease or had a stroke. Any myriad of conditions, it gets quite broad and our treatment tool is exercise for those conditions. Um, <laughs> I suppose, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What so, exercise physiology yeah, is. Yeah, and that's true. I think to me, exercise kind of sounds like um, like your broccoli. Mm. It's like the thing that you have to or should have done. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. love, I love moving and training and stuff, but I definitely get that feeling from the word. And then, um, yeah, physiology is like, you know, go back to your science class. Yeah, biology te yeah, textbook or something. Together. And depending on how what your relationship with your biology teacher was like, you might have hated it. So yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but certainly for the people that I'm seeing, it's like any anyone who wants to exercise and might have a, a barrier or something they're bumping up against that means they can't. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what got you into, I guess, going back? Like what tipped you into that originally? Um, my journey into exercise physiology was something I fell into. Yeah. Um, was definitely not an active uh, young person. I was the, the Bambi, like the arms and legs and couldn't coordinate myself and not really inspired by exercise or sport. But in year 12, I had trouble staying awake. I was really fatigued. I'd get to like after lunch at high school and I was like the very studious nerd, like so diligent with schoolwork and I had everything highlighted and filed appropriately. And um, I'd get to my after lunch classes and you can see my handwriting is just like going into these weird little curls and squiggles. Um, so I started with an interest more so in diet and what yeah. I was eating to fuel my body. Um, and talking with my mum, who's also a health professional, was looking to get into dietetics. Yeah. I started down um, the path with like a food nutrition degree, um, food science degree, which wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was like how to make wheat bix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my sub, my elective subjects were sports science, which yeah. I fell in love with. I really enjoyed it, so I switched across and. This was in about 2005. An ex um, exercise physiologist were only recognised as an allied health professional in 2004. Yeah, so right. this was like brand new, like let's get into sports science, let's treat people with exercise. And um, I completed that degree and it wasn't really enough to do the clinical population. It was kind of like an overqualified personal trainer. Yeah. So then I went and became a personal trainer, was a personal trainer while I did exercise physiology and just kind of went from there. I just never never knew it existed I was yeah. the last person that anyone would ever would have thought would have become a personal trainer then an exercise physiologist and yeah I just I discovered it and wow this thing called exercise it's actually really cool and really empowering and yeah. makes me feel really good and yeah. look at this new thing that I can do and I used to not be able to run this 1.6 k's and now I can and yeah. even coming up against things like my own migraines after going for a run um, I used to get migraines after going for like literally a kilometre run and mm. it was no matter what I would get them and persisting through that with a movement um, treatment essentially meant that it was like oh actually this is really powerful stuff. Yeah so did that then lead into because I know you do a lot of running 
uh, and a lot of training at the moment, different mm. types of training as well. Did that lead you because of the world you became a part of? You just sort of started to, you know, dive deeper and deeper and start running with someone and kind of go that way? Was it like, it's kind of like you learned and then you got into it as mm. a, not as a hobby, but as a, as a practice as well? Yeah, so um, I've always been very self-driven that I've kind of done things on my own, explored things on my own. I just wake up one day and go like, oh, I'd like to try that and I'll go make it happen. Um, so becoming an exercise physiologist, I realized that I needed to be, if I was going to do it, I needed, if I was going to do the health professional side of things, I needed to be that as well mm. and have that integrity with my words. So I had to run, I had to be fit, I had to be able to pick up the weights, I had to be able to deadlift with good technique. And ever since, like I suppose, making myself that promise of an exercise physiologist is someone who runs, is someone who lifts, is someone who climbs, if they get thrown a handstand challenge, they can at least give it a go with some kind of, I can do this, I can attempt to do this mm -hmm. and achieve some level of mastery of it. Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna be, you know, Rod Cooper, but you know, I can still have fun with handstands. Yeah. Um, and I'm never going to be Usain Bolt, but I can still go do some sprints in the yeah, park. Yeah, exactly. So, so you've, you, you went down the personal training, went down exercise physiology, starting to run, you know, now you're obviously a business owner, mm. a big part of the audience on the podcast and the people that I work to, with and, and speak to a lot are business owners. Mm. And especially in this health and wellness area, although not exclusively, what was the shift there? Because that's not, um, it's not obvious. Mm. It's not everyone who, like this is a big, pretty big practice. You guys have a lot of people through the doors. Mm. Um, you've got staff, like it's, it's legit, right? So what was the journey like and how long did that kind of take? What happened there? Uh, so in my second job out of uni, I worked in a private practice that was about 30 physiotherapists, four massage therapists and one and a half exercise physiologists. So yeah. the other exercise physiologist was due to leave and move into state. And that exercise physiologist was also a massage therapist. So I was meant to replace him. And I, um, I kind of didn't, I kind of didn't. I bumped up a lot of my own shortcomings there, I suppose being my second, and actually being my second job was actually my first one working with other people because my first one was in the mines in central Queensland. Mm. Um, so in that job, I bumped up against a lot about my own beliefs and how this particular practice ran and my own, like, what are my barriers? What's my ethos? What do I value? And I felt in that particular space that what I had to offer wasn't valued and that my beliefs weren't being validated, mm -hmm. which for anyone who is a new grad, has been a new grad, you've just got this whole like textbooks worth of information, you kind of don't know what to do with it. Mm. And you kind of need to be validated a little more. I felt I needed to be validated a little bit um, and nurtured and helped to grow. And like, okay, if you don't know the answer to this, um, here's where you can find it. A really distinct um, memory from that was I had two things said to me by the other exercise physiologist. One was we weren't going to give you the job initially because you're too pretty and pretty people don't connect with people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting, yeah. The second one was um, he was reading something on tensegrity and some um, like fascial lines work and he kind of had this book and he was like, oh, I've just been on this course and tensegrity and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're not ready for this. You're like, you know, it really just put me down as like, you're not smart enough for this yet or you're not experienced enough for this yet, which... I took really hard, like yeah. I, in my memory, I'm like, this, these were two really harsh things that were said to me that really sat with me and just stabbed my self-esteem down to mm. like, no, like you're down here. Mm. Um, and then my boyfriend at the time and his friends were getting into like network marketing stuff and very much take control of your own destiny. Like if you're not happy, you're just the, the dog sitting on the rusty nail. Like if you're complaining about it and you're not happy, then like, obviously it's not hurting enough. So I just got to a point of like, you yeah, know, this is hurting too much and I've got so much more to offer. And it's kind of like, I felt like I was dying with the music inside as a new grad, like mm -hmm. two, three years out. So I, I quit the weekend that I quit. I actually went to a big, I went to the landmark forum, which yeah. is big personal development. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I came out and like, wow, yeah. world is my oyster. Yeah. Um, and started working as an exercise physiologist out of a good life gym in Queensland and just, cool. Spent my first year, essentially kind of PT, but, and the, um, the gym manager there was actually an exercise physiologist as well. So he did help me to connect with GPs and he yeah. did help to mentor where he could, but yeah. it was very much a, 
you're on your own, go yeah. make it work. Um, and then I realised I was cancelling full days of appointments to, um, to go to the beach, which in, Bris in Brisbane is two hours north. Yeah. So I came back down here and essentially that's kind of my story of how I got back in, or how I got into being a business owner. Mm -hmm. And then from there, started as a sole trader, met Duncan. He was thinking about going on his own and I was already a sole trader and we just had so much that aligned in terms of our vision and what we wanted to achieve and it just kind of made sense mm -hmm. to, to do it together. Yeah. And um, I think the thing that resonated with me at that time was it wasn't one plus one equals two, it was one plus one equals what? Um, so yeah, that's how we got into business. Yeah, so let's go specific, sole trader. Mm -hmm. What did that look like and then what was the almost dialogue or the specific thing where there was obviously like the kernel of thought, oh, like A, this guy Duncan's pretty cool. B, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing something my own. Oh, like, so how did that, how did that kind of narrative unfold and the conversation mm -hmm. unfold? Because I think for a lot of people who may be sole traders or, or contractors or someone mm. underneath another brand or they may be thinking about doing something, mm. Uh, and it's not the same, any, like two, you know, two, yeah. any, any two times. But what did that look like for you, and how did you kind of pull the trigger, so to speak, and move forward? From sole trader to, yeah, to like, partnership? Yeah, what did sole trading look like, contracting, or whatever you're doing yeah. there? Who, how was that landscape, and then mm. what sort of was the impetus to go next step? I think any sole trader would kind of resonate with this next thing I'm going to say is it's really lonely. You're on your own. and. Yeah when you don't necessarily have friends who are sole traders, they might be employed or they might they might have a bigger business. They don't really seem to get you that on, on the I own my own business side, they're just like, oh yeah, you're fine, just keep going, just keep going. And on the my friends are employed side, they, they don't get it. They don't get the, the heartache and the sleepless nights and the anxieties yeah. that come with it and the sheer amount of big work you have to do and if you have any limiting beliefs, just how you're stopped yeah. every single day and that picking up the phone can be like the biggest, daunted, most daunting task of your day. And you spend three hours looking at your phone just yeah. trying to make it happen. It just, yeah. it's lonely. And um, Duncan and I met through my sister-in-law and his friend. They actually, I think, well, they were trying to match make. And we kind of got together and like, nah, like we had some scotch, we did some handstands and we're like, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. But we stayed in touch and we kept talking about, yeah, what, what was possible in Newcastle. And my, my ideal, my, uh, my big hairy audacious goal that I not, don't really talk about a lot is I would love to have Newcastle being Australia's fittest, healthiest, happiest city. Like just, I'd love to have that happen. And yeah. so through that kind of, this is my big vision. I wanna make an impact in Newcastle and really you know, have something to do in the landscape. And I think when I said that to Duncan, he really bought into it. He's like, actually, yeah, that's, I, I don't want to be the status quo physiotherapist. I want to inspire people to reach for something bigger. Yeah. And that's kind of how it went from there is it just two people connected and we had a shared vision. And like any, any relationship in the world where you can connect over a shared vision, you can create amazing things. Yeah. Talk us through the first six months of Transcend. Was it in this location? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, so I was sole trading and doing my small business out of um, Total Performance Centre in Hunter Street with yeah. Nick Grant. So I was subletting space from him and once Duncan and I decided to become Transcend Health, he was working part-time taking some private clients in those rooms as well. So it was the first three months or ish, three-ish months. Um, then we found this location, we started fitting out and we went from there. So the first six months of us together was literally the, the paperwork, like the forming companies, making sure we had all of our T's crossed and I's dotted in terms of making sure we were protected. Yeah. Um, it was building the form, like the foundation ideas of what is Transcend and why yeah. we chose Transcend and why we chose the colours and what we wanted it to look like here and how we wanted it to feel. Um, and it, from there, it was just like leaning on the relationships that we already had. Like who, who did we know that needed physio? Who did we know in like GP land and other health professionals that would refer to us? What gyms did we know? How do we connect with these people and how do we bring them in the door? Yeah. And together bouncing off those ideas and just supporting each other to grow. So yeah. answering the phones for each other, responding to emails for each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and so how long ago was that when you guys first opened? So uh, we first became a business in yeah. January 2016 and our doors opened here in Broadmeadow on July 4th, 2016. Yeah. 
Okay, and so we're 2020 now, not quite July, but mm. uh, four or so years down the track. Yeah. Uh, you're a guy, you're a team of six? Yeah. All up, including both of you? Actually, we're a team, yeah, a team of six, yeah, team yep. of six. Um, how's that been? Like, what are some of the things you've learned? What are some of the challenges that's, you know, pretty different um, to where it was when it started? <laughs> well, how, much, how long have we got? Yeah. Um, look, it's... Along the way, like stopping and reflecting has always been better than what we thought it was ever going to be. Yeah. Um, we've never been, or we have been starry-eyed, but there's always been a healthy dose of realism in that as well. Um, some of the biggest challenges have been around managing a team and yeah. managing the different personalities. Um, just people have different ideas and sometimes you get people on the bus or in the business that have an idea about where they want to go and what they want to do. and. It's great and it might have synergy at the start, but as soon as it, come, it comes to be obvious that, look, actually they're not in the same direction as us, that's the kindest thing you can do is let them go, yeah. regardless of how much it hurts. Yeah. And that, that was a really hard lesson, I think, trying to work out how to work with other people when you're the one, you're the visionary, you're the one who has this thing that to everyone else is intangible, but to mm -hmm. you is like, it's solid, it's here, and I can feel it every day, to then be able to communicate it and have them on board with it. And then with the, the machinations of day-to-day -day stuff to still like, hey, yeah, we had a hard day. Like, how do we pick up and how do we keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see now, like with a bigger team, your role, how has it morphed? How has it changed? Are you mostly finding yourself in that management of others, management kind of area or team sort of focus? Or is there still a heavy focus on delivery? What does it look like for you uh, you know, day to day? Uh, very much both. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm still a full, fully practicing clinician. I'm still trying to be a fully, like fully booked in that sense that if I could work, you know, 100% utilized in clinic, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I just have to do any kind of management in and around that as well. Yeah. Um, probably like good 50-50, like I'll do, do both. And and different sides of it as well. So I might do a bit more marketing and a bit more of the, like, how do I, I suppose the soft stuff that people might often discount as well. Like, how does the place look? Is it clean? Yeah. Um, how does our marketing look? What message are we sending out to people? That stuff. Um, whereas I think Duncan does a little bit more of the planning and implementing, which is a lot more of a harder, like more traditional leadership management skill. So, um, and we, we move, like I suppose, between Duncan and I, we are fluid between the, the roles that we take on that he and I will share the people management and the processes and the marketing and the networking and all of those things. It becomes very fluid as the need arises. Yeah. Um, if Duncan has 40 appointments plus booked a week, he's not going to have time to do those things and that's where I'll pick up yeah. what I can and vice versa. Yeah. Sort of really synergistic between you guys, kind of flipping yeah. and flowing each way. I actually listened to your podcast with Duncan already. Oh, really? I were did. you nodding or were you shaking your I, head? I was nodding the whole way. I think oh, right. um, he described something, the, the feminine and the masculine energy. Yeah. And um, back when we started, I really would have been like, no, I'm masculine. And no, I'm very much like, yeah, he's, he's a strong masculine energy in the building. Yeah. And for me, it's I'm very much the softer energy. I'm the one who steps into that feminine energy within mm. the building. And it does, it becomes this really good yes, working nice. partnership. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like we've ever really, like when we've had disagreements and arguments, we've never left it as like something really festering. And, it. yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always been able to come back to like, we might, I don't want to talk to you today, but we'll come back a few days and be like, Yo, this is what happened. Here was the communication breakdown. How do we work through this? And it's just been this really like, in terms of relationship, it's pretty awesome yeah. and pretty a pretty strong working relationship, and I really, really respect that. Did you did you guys have to work to cultivate that, or was it there at the beginning? Because I think it's super important. Like, mm. if anyone's listening and considering partnerships, mm. I've been in two, um, and both had amazing upsides yeah. and plenty of challenges. Mm. Uh, a lot of it because I was very young and one of them, but <laughs> yeah. you know, did you have to work specifically? You mentioned Landmark, which is obviously, yeah. if you're listening, it's like, it's pretty cool, big like personal development thing, yeah. a whole bunch of tears. Um, was that work carrying through or did you guys like focus on this actual communication stuff together? Or? 
So uh, communication has been a big part of it. Yeah. I think our own separate personal development has been a big part of it, that we have our ideals of who we want to be in the world individually, that when we have a, a moment where we're not that ideal, we can go away, regroup and come back into that best self, that ideal self. Yeah. And both Duncan and I can do that. Um, we're both, we can both hold ourselves to account. We can both take criticism. So, you know, like any human, we get stroppy and tired and anything happens, but we can come back to, well, you're a human. Yes, you're gonna have your down times, but I can hold you to your best, best self. And if I demand something of you, I know you're gonna deliver. Mm -hmm. um, in our partnership, the advice we got right at the start was, if you are going to go into a business partnership with someone, prepare for the nastiest divorce ever. Like imagine, like think of it as a marriage and in five years there is going to be the biggest shit fight on earth. Yeah. Like you are going to be tearing shreds off each other, going for the jugular, like really hurtful stuff. And so when we started the business, we wanted to make sure that what I could do to Duncan I was also going to be doing to myself. Mm -hmm. So if I made any move to screw him over, I would actually be screwing me over. So it was like that. We've, we're protected in that way. Mm -hmm. Having Both of us having that high level of integrity as well. Like we are our word. If I give my word to something, I'm going to do my best to meet that. And if I don't meet it, I'm going to do my best to own up to it and make, make up the difference. Be like, look, I didn't achieve this. This is how I'm going to change. Yeah. And having that in our personalities has worked really well. The communication has evolved over yeah. time and I think that has just come out of our own self-awareness as opposed to we need to work on communication. We've individually worked on ourselves and known that communication is what everything's based on and if, for example, if I've got a, let's use a football analogy, like I'm running a play, I've got this play and I'm running the play forward and I've got to be able to pass it off to teammates as I go, like I know that my teammates are going to be there. I might go and have a coaching session with you and I might get a different play. If I don't communicate that to my team members, I'm going to run this play forward, go to pass the ball off, and then they're back here trying mm. to do what they thought was the play. Mm. So if I'm not communicating with them at the start, they're not going to be with me when I run the play forward. Yeah. And that, that is the best analogy that I've got. Is yeah. that I, just, I want my team to come with me. And that was probably also, going back to the sole trader, one of my biggest drives, I wanted a team. I didn't want to be by myself. I don't want to be on an island by myself sipping cocktails when I'm yeah. a multi-billionaire. I want my friends with me. Yeah. And this is essentially, it's like, this is the vehicle we're moving forward and you guys are coming with me. Yeah, love it. Talk to us a little bit about that communication piece in the context of Corona. Um, there's been a lot of collective stress. There's mm. been a lot of kind of uh, tension and kind of funny mm. energy around. And, you know, I can only imagine that it shows up when people walk in the door on Monday after, mm. you know, they say everything's closed down on Sunday night or whatever. How have you dealt with that? How's that been for you personally? Mm. And... Um, you know, because it's easy to share and communicate when the sun's shining and the, mm. you know, the lambs are bouncing down the paddock sort of thing. But like when it's when it's a little darker, like yeah, when you're, you're literally watching a volcanic eruption. In front yeah, of you. well, that's yeah. kind of where it gets um, where it shows up, right? Like yeah. where it really shines. Like if you've been kind of not doing the work, but if you're aware of it, you know. So mm. what did that look like? How did that fit for you? How, was that challenging or easy? Or um, I suppose the communication itself wasn't challenging we just did it um yeah. i got a phone call on a sunday afternoon from duncan like when we thought that we had to shut down basically when gyms were shut down and i got a phone call and it was literally duncan have you seen the news and i was like yep i've seen it what do you think and we just had a bit of a, a to and fro of like what we thought we could do and what we couldn't um, the next morning we called the team together actually this message was sent out that night called the team together for an emergency meeting and um there was a few things in there i was like duncan was like oh you know i'll call the boys and i'll speak to Janelle and Sarah and I'm like, look, actually, you're gonna go have a big, like emotional um, conversation with Janelle and Sarah. Don't call the boys. Like at this point, the communication for the boys actually needs to be a text message. They'll, they'll be fine and they were exactly fine. Mm -hmm. But even just being able to communicate that of like knowing where your boundary is and mm -hmm. having someone to say, look, don't, don't push past that when you're gonna have two really big emotional conversations, mm -hmm. stop. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. Have it later. And if the boys ask more questions, then like all you have to say to the boys is we're going to have a meeting. Things have changed. We need to have a meeting. 
turn up. Um, all through the past two weeks, it's been just a keeping finger on the pulse. Um, we've had several team meetings and we've been like, this is where we're getting our information from. So really controlling the inputs in our communication as well, because we started going like abc.com said that. Yeah. And getting that's, really emotional. Yeah. And that's playing out for a lot yeah. of people now, even more so, I think, because yeah. you've got like, obviously all of the little hubs mm. have opened up with the different sources as well yeah absolutely so even so just consolidated consolidated came back in and we we put some solid rules around that communication of this is the avenues we're using this is the where you're getting your information from is this this and this we're going to do x y and z and you can expect us to do this and it was it's been a combination of emails and dashboard and texting and zoom calls and yeah. everything so and um yeah i suppose it's just doing it yeah once we've got it, we do it. Yeah, yeah, cool. I know uh, that was long-winded. No, no, like... I think it's, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, kind of reminds me of, you know, the worst thing you can do is nothing yes. when that's happening and mm. recoil. And so you go, you try, you communicate and it either worked really well or it didn't mm. and you can pivot and change and come back but it's Absolutely. like something's happening and you you guys got on the front foot straight away mm. um and i mentioned this when i spoke with duncan but uh even from the outside seeing what's coming out of it and the mm. not just the pivot itself but also like the new things that are being created mm. the new facebook group and other staff stepping up and all of this is really cool so Mm. Uh, yeah, it seems like you've done a really good job. I think in that as well, it's not just what was said, it what was, wasn't was said. Yeah. It was the knowing when, what have I got to contribute here and am I just adding to the noise and the yeah. confusion or am I, because am I, if you're venting and you're emotional and you're, you need to get something off your chest, that's fine. But knowing that there's a point where that's too much mm -hmm. to give and that the, you know, the the environment and whoever's hearing it and listening to it might not have the space for it. Yeah. It might just be hot air. Yeah. And then you left you're left feeling invalidated by the whole yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So ultimately knowing not just when to communicate but also when not to communicate and just listen and be. Yeah. Be present to what's happening. Yeah. Uh, okay, little pivot. You mentioned that one of your dreams was to see Newcastle as the the fittest and healthiest or happiest, healthiest, fittest. Mm. Um, what does that flesh that out for us? What's what does that mean? What do you see? Where are we tripping up? Mm. Um, what needs to happen? What needs to change? So uh, first off, it's been a few years since I've actually looked at the stats, but yeah. um, what part of that looks like is disease rates and incidence of lifestyle-related diseases in Newcastle. That if we can curb things like diabetes and heart disease, like two of the biggest killers. Those are lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. those are lifestyle yeah. things. Like if you can eat well and exercise regularly. I'm not talking about running marathons and doing a keto diet. I'm talking yeah, yeah. about getting your five serves of veggies and two serves of fruit and going for a 30 minute walk five days a week. Like it's really simple stuff that a lot of people, like 60% of the Australian population doesn't meet that guideline of 150 minutes of exercise a week. And it's yeah. literally 150 minutes of a brisk walk a week, which is Monday to Friday, 20 minutes, and then do a longer walk on the weekend, two resistance training sessions. Like it's not, like it's not a lot, it's not reaching for the stars. And doing those things and having good social connection within your community, mm. that people set themselves up to live really long, happy lives without the burden of disease. I'm like, it's that simple, guys, it's so simple. Mm. Um, so that's the first part is if we can get our lifestyle disease right down, that means the things that people are then plagued by are the things that we can't really help, like I broke my leg because I was water skiing, yeah. doing the fun thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is where my love of exercise comes out is that exercise is a ticket to doing amazing things. If you don't have strength in your upper body, you can't go rock climbing. You don't yeah. get to experience that. Yeah. Um, just being able to go and run the places that I've run because I can just keep going and just have that tenacity, put one foot in front of the other. I'm like, this is a ticket to so many amazing things. Yeah. It's a freedom. It's an experience of yourself that you just, you don't get anywhere else. Mm. Um, and I really want Newcastle, I want Australians to experience that because it is magical. It's yeah. just breathtaking yeah, yeah. what it does. When, when would you say that you became, going back to the story you shared earlier, became 
active an exerciser like or a runner or whatever however you want to identify or call it when did that when would you say that shifted in terms of how old were you at the time oh i would have been oh geez early 20s like yeah. 20 uh 22 23 yeah 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 so, so it's pretty cool because you had that first period where mm. i guess you didn't really identify with that so much and then mm. all of a sudden it's like this big unlock um mm. so you, you you know you're old enough to know both sides you know what i mean yeah um because i can really pick up the passion that comes through when you talk about it yeah why is it in newcastle or sydney or any of the, any other city if it's so easy what do you think is the hurdle what's the what's the friction for that you see with your clients or at large? It's the lack of value placed on it. Um, I suppose a lot of coaches over my experience with you know business coaches or life coaches or coaches in general is if you give something away for free, people don't value it. And going for a walk is free. Exercise is actually free. It's when you start getting the specific training that it starts to become an expense or the gym membership that it starts to become an expense. And when something is so easy, it's not valued. Um, we can draw other parallels with things like family relationships, like you don't have to pay for your parents, right? You just get them. And there is such a general lack of appreciation that parents get from their kids. Mm. I'm not a parent, but that's what I'm told. Mm. Um, and parents do it for the love of it. So I, th I think really it is, it's just that lack of value. So it doesn't get a place of priority mm. um, in people's day-to-day -day lives. And then even with the necessity of I have to eat, I have to have a roof over my head, I have to be able to clothe myself and my children. And like, I wanna be able to go on a holiday and I wanna be able to drive a car and I wanna have these these mod cons that the necessity of work mm. and even the culture of not just working Monday to Friday, nine to five, but being on call, you know, from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. answering your emails all the time. Mm. People are mentally exhausted mm. and that their focus and like people can work and they can turn up to work, they'll show up to work regardless of whether they're, you know, they've got a runny nose, they've got a headache and they'll, they'll persist and they'll work through, but then they won't apply that same diligence to themselves and their health mm. because they don't value it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about value and the parents mm. and the other word that popped into mind, kind of in a different sort of way, but similar was gratitude mm. as well. And it's, it's almost feels like the two go hand in hand mm when you're um when you're grateful for what like when you talk about your running you can mm. feel that come through so of course you're going to do more of it yeah because as soon as you get out the door it starts to kind of flow mm. through again well, it's not maybe not immediately get out the door like i've had plenty of mornings when i've woken up you know but once you a kilometer down the road like yeah. oh i'm out for a run this is great yeah 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 um but at the beginning, it's mm. it's perceived as pain too, right? Yeah. Or it can be. Yeah. Or a challenge or a have to or a chore. But that's part of it, right? Like the that, that scale where it's like where you find the flow state, the challenge and the skill. Like running is, is a skill, but it's a fairly easy skill to master. Yeah. That it's challenging and you can always meet that challenge. You can always keep going. That's part of its attraction. If it was easy, we wouldn't do it. Like yeah. it was easy, well, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I was just saying that not everyone's doing it, but running in itself, like that, that meets the flow state requirement, right? Yeah. They can go out and just like, this is hard, but I can keep going. And you finish and you're like, yeah, like I finished that. And I did like, you know, um, you know, five minute kilometers and I was doing five minute, five second kilometers three months ago. And I'm just like, yeah, that's makes me feel good and I've achieved something for the day and I can mm. go start my day with, you know, there was, um, is it Jocko Willink who said like, make your bed every morning or something mm. like that. Yeah. It's like the same thing, like get up and go for a run every morning. You've achieved this thing that could have been at one time in your life, this monumental thing and suddenly you just do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that was my frog, I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using lots of analogies yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. You can tell the books over yeah. it, can't you? Yeah. So, uh, does this exercise, the movement, the, running or any any type of that um i guess more macro movement versus you know transcend you guys do exercise physiology and physiotherapy as well mm. um when people hear those words they might think like um small treatment room just springs to mind or do you mm. know what i mean or like um yeah. you know we talked about before like ultrasound kind of things yeah. or you know a little hammer tapping your knee or something like yeah. this like 
Um, talk to us about how you're infusing uh, the exercise, the movement, how you've wrapped your, because it's kind of part of your story. Yeah. Basically, like we, we live through something, it's part of us. Yeah. We put value on it. We infuse it into the work if we can, if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, and we can have that as part of our, you know, our vocation as well. Yeah. What does it look like here? How is this, how is it infused? How is it infused? Well, um, I suppose the easiest thing is like we just get people moving. Yeah. And as a point of difference for us, I'm going to compare us to physiotherapists because EP is still only about 10% of the size of physiotherapy in terms of the number of um, clinicians in Australia. That if you come to see us, you're going to be hit with the exercise hammer. Our treatment is going to include exercise. And we're not here to massage you. We're not here to dry needle you. We're not here to, you know, hook you up some technology or give you an ice pack and walk out of the room and go treat three other people. It's, we're, infu we're infusing our love and appreciation and value of exercise from day one. Mm -hmm. And the evidence shows that between education and movement, you get the best results for things like pain, which is what people will go and see a physiotherapist for. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a place for ice. Yes, there is a place for massage. Yes, there is a place for those kinds of treatments, but that's at the pointy end. And at, for 90% of the treatment, you do actually need to move and you need to do that work yourself and yeah. load the body. Yeah. So um, that's how we infuse it into our business. And I think even in choosing the name Transcend, it's like not just getting people out of pain or stop, like initially getting them away from their hamstring injury or their shoulder pain or their diabetes. It's the, the definition of Transcend being to move or go beyond a, a concept or a sphere of what you thought was possible. It's like yeah. moving beyond, like how do we get you to this like 10 out of 10? Yeah. Like in, in the perfect world, what would you be doing? And people can come out with things like, I wanna climb Everest, or I wanna do a backflip or a handstand, or I just wanna be able to walk the dog yeah. every day or pick yeah. up my grandkids. And it's yeah. this meaningful movement that we, um, we aspire towards. Yeah, I kind of feel like, I'll, I'll just say like almost your enthusiasm for the the exercise um, is infectious to the point where I think that that actually could be a big asset for helping to heal. Like, Definitely. like I listen, I'm like, damn, I want to go for a run. Like, I, I don't, I used to run tons. I haven't run for a long time since those days. Um, but I'm like thinking like, mm, maybe that's the time, right? Because it's, it's, it radiates out. Mm. Um, talk about that a little bit. You know, I think you know, obviously people who are just starting out in their business or, or contracting or sole traders and they're in personal training or movement or um, physiotherapy. How important is it that you, how important is the running, the activity? You know, before you said, I, I, knew, I thought I should be the person who's also a runner or also active, I'm finally mm. going to go this way. Now that you're there, and now that you're living it and it's part of business, how important is it for the, for you to keep that spark fired up, I guess? Um, what you've just said reminds me of a, a quote by Meryl Streep, which is, what, whatever makes you weird, that's your strength. Yeah. And I think weird can be replaced with whatever you're enthusiastic about, like whatever you're obsessive about, like that is your strength. Yeah. And um, being able to stick to that and hold on to that and not downplay it in yeah. your own, like whatever your business look, looks like, whatever your treatment or your programming looks like, embrace it. Like this is you, this isn't something to hide away in a corner and it's every part of you, like whether it's when you're, you know, you're a grumpy morning person, you need a coffee or whether, you know, you love running and those are both me. Um, bringing those into it, making the experience a more human experience and when you embrace that weirdness and that thing that you're enthusiastic and passionate and obsessive about it gives permission to do for mm -hmm. others to do the same thing mm -hmm. um that as soon as you start saying like i love running like i think it's great and it's you know I, there are days when i hate running there are days when it's so hard i can't breathe but it just in talking to you like oh, i could go for a run yeah. right now because i'm like i'm telling you like this is we so hard just pull this up and go like yeah <laughs> hey we can go to a running uh podcast if you like yeah go actually for, that might be a thing it might be yeah we can exercise in pairs so we can do that <laughs> just true so so you know because duncan's uh, active mm -hmm. as well i know luke i don't i know ollie does um powerlifting yeah um i haven't spent a lot of time with him but collectively like you guys are vibrating at a pretty high level in terms of the movement and the training mm -hmm. and stuff do you feel like you're you're uh 
you know, in short, your clients, the people you work with, mm. that transformation is kind of becomes part of where they're going to, like they pick up mm. on that and they sort of buy into that whole thing as well. Absolutely. Like the, the exercise part is the non-negotiable and it's in, like I mentioned, it's the way we treat. If you come to it, you're going to see, you're going to be hit by the exercise hammer. It's a non-negotiable in all of our lives that we're not like this isn't a negotiable part. Like you can't tell me I can't exercise. I will yeah. find a way around this. And it's not um, like it's not a pathological like I need addiction. Yeah. It's a <laughs> just clearing that. Just up, clearing yeah. that up. Like <laughs> if you said, look, you can't exercise for a few weeks because you've been injured, which has happened to me. Like I, I will work around it and I'll find a way to move because it feels good, but I'm yeah. not going to go run on a broken leg. Yeah. Um, so just for us having this non-negotiable in our life that we exercise, this is what we do. People like us do things like this. Mm. When we turn up and we're told this is the exercise that we need to do, we do it because mm. we exercise and yeah. it's not negotiable. And that as an expectation of ourselves, I think rubs off onto anyone yeah. who walks through the door that you're here to exercise. You're not here to get a massage. You're yeah. not here to pass off the responsibility of your healing onto us. You're an active part of your own wellness and health and getting better requires your effort and exercise is, is it. Yeah. And it's so cool because, you know, a way for you to celebrate the transformation of someone you work with is, you know, for a lot of times for someone in body work or physiotherapy or somewhere where it's acute or it's like maybe even into chronic, but it's like celebrating, say, getting from pain to no pain. Oh, mm. I was able to do this pain free or whatever, which is cool. But or or even just getting from pain to less pain, like yeah. being able to do more of the things they love in less pain, in yeah. the presence of pain still, but able to still work around it with intolerable limits. Yeah. But then you guys have the whole further spectrum, which mm. is like the celebration of the integration of the habit of movement mm. as a longer um, game approach. So it might be somebody, you know, 12 months later, that you hear about walk up Mount Everest or whatever and that transformation that the big transformation mm. is kind of what you were a part of not just the front-end pain mm. management as well it's like the ongoing which is really cool well it's like Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker right like Obi-Wan was there for like the teeniest little bit of Luke's journey but what he did in that very early stage for Luke Skywalker created such a huge impact further down the path and when you've seen the last Star Wars movie, I'm not actually going to ruin it for anyone, but just like the story of the Skywalkers and what he did for his sister and then for the next generations is just this like, that Obi-Wan had a, had an influence at the beginning there. Yeah. Which um, it's like, I suppose, we're, we're the Obi-Wans for the Luke Skywalkers out there. Yeah, yeah, the shift. A little <laughs> bit of a paradigm shift. Uh, awesome. Is there anything else that you want to talk about around the Newcastle vision or anything else that you've been thinking about lately? Um, I suppose in the Newcastle vision is something that I do, I suppose, as I've matured and I've become like when you realize how much work that vision is and I'm only one person, it takes a community to do that. Yeah. And when I look at the people that we have here in Newcastle and like you look, you just have to, you don't have to look too far before you see other health professionals and gym owners who have that same vision, maybe not articulated in the same way, but they're actually on that path and they're helping people to discover exercise and discover more of themselves and what they're capable of and just resonate with such enthusiasm for an active lifestyle. And like there are dozens here in Newcastle, like um, using park run as an example, we are the region of runners. There are 14 park runs wow. when it's operating. Yeah. In Newcastle, like we love to move. Yeah. We are actually on this journey. Like we're already moving towards that goal. And that like really excites me. I'm like, I'm not necessarily day to day ticking off like another to-do list on that specific big goal, but yeah. I can recognize that we're still yeah. on the path of it. And the, yeah. the bigger we get and the bigger other gyms get and other health professionals get, it just creates this exponential growth like coronavirus. Yeah. We're just infecting more people mm -hmm. <laughs> um, to yeah. be like really fit, healthy and active. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's really cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or add in? Oh, geez. Well, how long have you got? Um, uh, yeah, I could talk for hours if you let me. But... What's, what's um, maybe to kind of wrap things up, like what's, what are you excited about? Obviously, there's a lot of um, operating, I'd imagine, right mm. now with what's going on and being on the pulse. Mm. 
Mm. What are you excited about either during this time or whenever this wraps up beyond this for yourself or for Transcend? I'm, I'm excited to see what the world looks like at the other side of this, that we're going to see, let's say three months, and that's that kind of on the optimistic side, three months is mm. what we're faced with of altered ways of being. What's going to happen? What is Australia going to look like? What is our economy going to look like? What is private practice going to look like? What are gyms going to look like? And it's, it excites me because I'm curious. I'm just like, I, it could be like end of days and we're like fighting each other for scraps of food in the gutter. Or it could be this really like well-adapted online community where suddenly even the face-to-face stuff either becomes complete like higher valued or completely irrelevant, mm. which either is great. Like I love my face-to-face. I love seeing people. I love coming in here and feeling that energy and working with people in real life but then online it's like well what does that what that what's possible i could talk to someone in america and help someone in america i could i could be overseas and still helping someone and just having like the that uncertainty once the initial anxiety is settled it's like that's like what's possible what can we create and the answer is anything you want anything you put your mind to and just like yeah that's ah." i love that yeah yeah uh Cool. Uh, personal stuff, you running, got any events coming up? I did have some events coming up. I was yeah. actually going to enter the Spartan race up at Port Stephens before it was cancelled. Yeah. Um, and after running the Shot Over Marathon, despite spending the next week promising myself I would never run another trail marathon again, I looked up the Kepler Challenge, which is a yeah. 60 kilometre yeah. in New Zealand. And once I looked at the, um, the elevation map, I'm like, that's easy. After doing Shot Over, Kepler looks like a piece of cake. Yeah. And the fact that people finish the Kepler Challenge two hours faster, it's you know 16 kilometers longer, yeah. but they finish it two hours faster than they finish the shot over marathon. I'm like, that's yeah. it. That's where it's at. So that's December. All things going well. Yeah. I did the um, the little Luxmore grunt, the uh, front end of that race. It's just like up and down. Yeah. Uh, the down. The down <laughs> just crushed me, my quads. Yeah. Um, the down on the other side is much more gentle. It's way more backs. gentle. Yeah. It go, <laughs> yeah. The, the up is bad. Then it goes plateaus into this beautiful cloud and stuff. Then it goes down gentle, but the other one turns straight back. Yeah. Um, but beautiful part of the world as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just got excited. We, we spent a bit of time in to an hour and we walked out to the control gates and we're just like, yeah, this is, this is stunning. Yeah. There is some beautiful scenery in the Fjordland yeah. area. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get back. Yeah. So this year or next year, I'll be there. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think that's probably a good time to wrap it up. Okay. Um, thanks for making the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, nothing better. Nothing else I'd rather do on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, except for go for a run, maybe. Oh, I was going to do some deadlifts this afternoon, so yeah. I've been feeling a bit flat lately. It's yeah. probably a good time to just go home and put my feet up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jackie. No um, if you're listening, I'll pop Jackie's details in the show notes. And I'm sure if you have any questions on what we spoke about, you can reach out to myself, you know where to find me, or maybe to Jackie directly, especially if there's anything to do with exercise and, or movement or Absolutely. any of stuff. Yeah, any of that sort of good stuff. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Access Potential Podcast. If you have any questions on this one or any of the episodes, send them along, john at johntmarsh.com. Love to hear from you and happy to answer anything that comes through. That's it for today. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. I'll see you on the next one.